When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess. For elite athletes only. Right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. And now another no-brainer money-saving tip from Progressive. <laughs> Marcus, what happened? <sighs> I was changing my oil and I spilled some on the floor. Oh, we'll use these $50 bills to wipe it up. Perfect. Got any more? Yeah, yeah, take a couple hundred. Stop. Instead of using money, use an old rag. And here's a better tip from Progressive on how not to waste money. Don't pay too much for car insurance. Drivers who switch and save could save hundreds. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Potential savings will vary. Remember that Bob Seger song? Old time rock and roll. In 1979, he was looking around and thinking to himself, Today's music ain't got the same soul. Almost a decade later, Paul Simon saying, Every generation throws a hero up the pop charts. That's true, but did any one generation do it best? Is there a sweet spot in music history that produced more of the good songs, more of the great transcendent artists than other eras did. If there is a sweet spot, in this episode, we'll find it. Welcome to the age-old question. I'm Rich Price. And I'm Clint Bierman. This show is sort of like car talk meets behind the music. Ooh, Clint, I like that. Each episode deals with another question in music fandom. The kind of questions that Clint and I have been debating since we were in college. So today, with the help of some smart people, we're going to come up with the answer. Okay, Clint, what's today's question? Today's question is, what's the best decade for music? That's the age-old question. So, Clint, how do we go about answering this question? I think we should do a poll somehow. Well, I'm glad that you said that. <laughs> because actually in the summer of 2021, earlier this summer... A YouGov survey polled almost 18,000 Americans, asking them, when was the best decade for music? Clint, any ideas what the results were? I'm going to say the 80s. Among U.S. adults overall, the 80s won. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Followed by the 70s, with 22% and 21% respectively. 
Oh, wow, that's close. Next was the 60s. Yep. Followed by the 90s. I realize this episode, we're going to mention a lot of numbers. So to recap, 80s, 70s, 60s, 90s. Even fewer people voted for the 2000s and fewer still for the 50s or earlier. The decade that received the fewest votes, the 2010s, huh? with just 3%. But interestingly, answers also varied depending on which genre of music you prefer. Of course. So, for example, fans of rap music voted for the 90s. Yeah. One, two, three, into the folk. Snoop Doggy Dogg and Dr. Dre is at the dope. Ready to make- fans of rock music, the 70s and 80s. R&B fans, the 70s. Yep. I'm so in love with you. We asked some age-old question regulars to leave us voicemail messages with their favorite decade and why. We're going to sprinkle in some of these responses throughout the episode, but we want to start with Josh Panda, one of our favorite people, an amazing singer, and listeners to the show may remember he joined us for the best second album of all time episode. You ready to hear Josh's answer? I am. What do you think he's going to say? I think he's going to say the 70s. Okay, here we go. My favorite decade of music. I don't know how any other decade could even compete or compare to the 1960s. Huh. We're talking about Otis Redding, Sam Cooke, Frank Sinatra, Marvin Gaye, Bob Dylan, The Beatles, The Rolling Stones, Stevie Wonder. I mean, come on. What what are you even... How is this going to be an entire episode? Like, what else is there? <laughs> Oh, so how is this even going to be an episode? Josh thinks it's the 60s, hands down, clear and only possible answer to this question. He's and, a singer. There were some great soul singers back then, and he loves soul singing. He does. That's his genre. It is. So when we talk about the survey that said that depends what your genre preference is, that's an example. It's a perfect example. And I would say, though he cites Stevie Wonder as being part of that decade, Stevie Wonder's really Seven. genius decade yeah. was the 70s. Yeah. So this whole conversation is so much about how you were raised, when you were raised, and what your parents listened to. I mean, because the, the, the heart of the matter is you as a person. How you were brought up is what your favorite music is. Totally. So another way to look at this is to identify the top-selling artists of each decade. What artists belong to which decade? Sure, okay. Album sales are a good, objective way of looking at this. Of the music that formed the collective consciousness of each era, here is some data. Ready? Go. 1950s, Elvis was by far the biggest selling artist. The King. Born through a party in the county jail. The prison band was there, they began to wait. Followed by Chuck Berry, Sinatra, Nat King Cole, Perry Como. Top selling artists of the 60s, top five. The Beatles. Ladies and gentlemen, the Beatles. Elvis again. The Stones, Simon and Garfunkel, Bob Dylan. Okay. If you scan the rest of the top 20, you've got artists like The Doors, Stevie Wonder, Streisand, Credence. Great. The 1970s, Pink Floyd. There is no pain you are receiving. The Eagles, Led Zeppelin. 
Queen, Oof. Elton John. Oh, God. Beyond the top five, you've got bands like ABBA, Bob Marley, The Bee Gees, Fleetwood Mac. Some heavy hitters. That is tough, man. The 1980s belong to Michael Jackson. Madonna, Phil Collins, U2, Prince. Beyond the top five, you've got bands like ACDC, Springsteen, Bon Jovi, George Michael, The Police. I, this is an impossible question. Unbelievable. Yeah. The 1990s top selling artists were Celine Dion, Mariah Carey, Garth Brooks, Whitney Houston, and Nirvana. Okay. MJ obviously continued to sell well. So did Madonna and U2. But you've also got bands like Metallica, Backstreet Boys, Guns N' Roses, Spice Girls, the 2000s, Eminem, Linkin Park, Coldplay, Britney Spears, Beyonce. But also bands like Black Eyed Peas and artists like Nora Jones and Alicia Keys. Huh. The 2010s top selling artists Adele, Hello from the other side. I must have a times. Justin Bieber, Taylor Swift, Ed Sheeran, and Rihanna. Yeah. Drake and Bruno Mars were coming on strong. The 2020s have been completely wackadoodle yeah. because of this pandemic. But BTS, the K-pop band that has sold already 17 million albums wow. in the 2020s. Like butter, like Followed by Taylor Swift, The Weeknd. We've talked about the artists that own each era. Of the group of artists that I've just listed, yep. which speaks to you the most? I think the 70s. That wasn't my choice when I came up here, but hearing it that way, those are the most classic artists of all time for me. Pink Floyd, Pink Eagles, Floyd, Zeppelin, Eagles. Queen, Elton John. Oh, come on. Yeah. If I say to you tomorrow I was born in the 70s. And then I would say second for me would be the 80s. But the 60s, Panda's right. How can you... Let's hear from Emily Voorhees. Listeners to the show will remember she made a memorable appearance on the what happened to the sax solo episode? <laughs> Let's hear what Emily has to say. I'm going to guess that she went 80s. Okay. I think I'd have to choose um, the mid-1940s, early 50s wow. of uh, the jazz era of bebop. This was after World War II. Um, so it happened in Harlem. There was emphasis on improvisation and African rhythms and the re-emphasis on the blues. There were faster tempos and complex melodies and chord progressions. And huh. um, I just love that. I love the, the feel of it. It just, it makes me feel really sort of alive, I suppose. Bop came and it was just this like freedom and positivity and change and some of those artists I really love Charlie Parker and Thelonious Monk and 
Dizzy Gillespie, real showman with his trumpet bell bent at a 45 degree angle and his big cheeks. Um, and then of course the singers from that era, just so, so amazing. Billie Holiday. Ella Fitzgerald, Lou Armstrong, kind of this golden age of jazz singing. Um, that'd be my, my era. Whoa. I, I thank you, Emily, for that yeah, for Emily. that education. Jeez. That was like a beautiful dissertation. I was thinking Prince, but man, I guess Dizzy Gillespie too. And I mean, Ella Fitzgerald. Wow. Yeah, you're I mean I mean that's a Whoa. like unbelievable. I guess when we start to talk about the decades, you start to see what changed in music. Right. Like what did each decade bring that is still relevant today? Right. In that sense, you'd make a really compelling case for the sixties. Yes. The amount of change that happened in popular music. Right. Driven primarily by... The Beatles. The Beatles. Yeah. We have a vote for the 60s. We have a vote for the 40s. Wow. Let's hear from Todd Chuba. Todd is one of my favorite musicians. He's a great guy. Someone who's collaborated extensively with my band, The Sweet Remains. Plays a ton with Brian Chartrand and Phoenix. And he's also a listener to this show. And he sent this in. Okay. I think I'd have to go with the 1970s. I found that decade to be one of the most diverse in musical styles that there ever was. Everything from great singer-songwriter to the emergence of psych pop, heavy rock, great R&B and funk records, disco, punk, progressive jazz. It's just about everything there you could want to listen to, and it would keep you busy for a lifetime. That's interesting. The more diverse the era was the more influence it will have later. Like the 90s, I feel like started to be more homogeneous. There weren't as many genres. Like hip-hop, rap, hip-hop, R&B, rock was still huge. But like the radio started to sound more and more similar, I feel like. Like our 20s now, everything sounds pretty much the same. It's all auto-tuned. It's all the same length. It's all written by the same 20 people. All right, we have a vote for the 40s, yep. for the 60s, yep. for the 70s. Yeah. You just said things are now feel very processed yeah. and very much the same. Yeah. Let's hear a vote for now. I can't wait. Jeff Carestis, a great bass player. Yep. You know Jeff. Yeah. Has played with the Sweet Remains. Been driving around this last year in an RV with his wife and daughter. Just having an incredible lemonade out of lemons experience in life and... He's been listening to the show, and okay. he sent us this. I would say right now is the best decade for music. Music has never been better than it is right now. There is a lot of music that is not good, that tends to be in, in the main focus, but right now there is more access to music. There's more people writing music across the board in every style, um, but you have to sift through a lot of noise to get to it. But right now, if like you're picking one, one decade, there's more music. You could listen to everything that was written this year and listen to it for 20 years and not hear all of it. There's so much. So the depth just by what we can have through the internet. I like that a lot. The ability for anyone to make music at this point is phenomenal, obviously. In some ways, making music has been democratized. Because every, you know, for example, Apple computer comes yeah. with GarageBand, yeah. 
so many more people can do it. Yeah. You don't have to like save up and, and right. go into a recording studio to make your song. Right. Does that mean there's a lot more bad stuff out there? Definitely. But there's more of everything. Right. Even pseudo-creative people that can't play instruments can write songs, can write great songs. So they didn't have that opportunity in 1970. In 1970, if you didn't play guitar or piano or something, you couldn't press a button and have it go, you know, you couldn't like create songs. So barrier to entry is much lower. Yeah. Should we hear from another person? Yeah, this is great. Let's hear from my bandmate, Brian Chartrand. Brian has his own podcast, which people should know about, called So the Story Goes. Excellent. I'm interested to hear what he has to say. I'm going to say 70s for Brian. All right. That would be my guess. Let's see what he has to say. Brian Chartrand here. My vote for the best decade for music would be for the 60s. Because there was just so much happening. The difference between the early 60s and the late 60s was incredible. All the great jazz that was happening, folk music, rock and roll, the birth of folk rock and the evolution of the American singer-songwriter all happened in that one decade. Uh, Just an incredible breadth of music. So that's my vote, 1960s. Anger, he smiles, towering in shiny metallic purple armor. Queen jealousy envy waits behind him. Her fiery green gown sneers at the grassy ground. It makes sense. He's right. I see him as such a 70s guy, though. Another study, Clint, this one from 2019, studied the collective memory for popular music. In other words, which songs have stuck most firmly in our collective consciousness. You'd think stickiness, as we call it, songs that stay with you, that you remember, would correlate to how great the songs are. Yeah. In this study, the scientists randomly selected number one hits from the Billboard charts from the last 76 years and presented them to a large sample of mostly millennial participants. In response to hearing each song, participants were prompted to indicate whether it was a song they recognized. The 1960s proved to be far greater than any other decade. Hmm. What does that say? That says that songs from the 60s have been played a lot more. They've been around longer. Their parents heard them, so they heard them growing up all over the radio. That's the other thing. The DJ chose the songs, the same song over and over and over again. And that also plays a role in stickiness. The more you hear a song, even if you don't like the song, after like seven times you start to like the song or you remember the song, right? Well, it's interesting because that study talked about collective consciousness, collective Mm -hmm. memory, right? And we talked about how now anyone can put out a record. So there's a gajillion people putting out records. Back then, there was only ABC, NBC, CBS. You know, there's only a handful of stations, right? So the collective awareness and experience of media was less fragmented. Totally. The closer we get to present day, the more stuff there is. And so things become diluted. Right. Seinfeld in the 90s. Everyone. Everyone watched right. that. But not everyone watched Game of Thrones or Ted, or Lasso. Ted Lasso. Right, right. Clint, 
we asked the amazing producer, Jack Gothier, who you and I have both been lucky enough to work with. Definitely. He runs an incredibly vibey studio in Rhode Island called Lake West Recording. It's where Dispatch made its first several records. It's where I made my first solo record, which you played on. Yeah. Let's listen to what Jack had to say. It has to be the 70s. It's not because of the importance to me of Tom Waits and Neil Young and Bruce Springsteen, The Clash, Elvis Costello, Talking Heads. It's because of Bob Marley. I could not live without Bob Marley. It's so personal. He's a Beatles guy, though. So, Clint, I want to nominate a decade we haven't really talked about. The 80s. Not the 1980s. The 1780s. Oh, my. Consider this. In the 1780s, Joseph Haydn, who's often referred to as the father of the symphony, is in his 50s. For much of his career, he was the most celebrated composer in Europe. In the 1780s, he composed a collection of symphonies called the Paris Symphonies for the French Queen Marie Antoinette. The works were hugely popular with the public, press, and modern critics. This is from his symphony in B-flat number 85. He had been a major influence on the young virtuoso Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. When Mozart was 17, his father took him to Vienna in the hope of securing a place at the imperial court. It didn't work out for Mozart, but Mozart becomes hooked on Haydn's music, and Haydn becomes a mentor. In 1784, Mozart and Haydn begin spending time together, and the two composers become friends. When Haydn visits Vienna, they play together in an impromptu string quartet. Mozart dedicates six quartets to Haydn between 1782 and 1785. The next year, Mozart writes his masterpiece, The Marriage of Figaro. That year, Haydn tells Mozart's father, I tell you before God and as an honest man, your son is the greatest composer known to me. This is incredible, in part because unlike Haydn, who has a long and successful career, Mozart dies relatively unknown outside of the German-speaking world. It's not until the next century when Mozart's works are printed and published that his reputation as the greatest composer of all time is established. So... The 1780s end, and the 90s aren't good to Mozart. In fact, he dies in 1791. The year that Mozart dies, Haydn begins mentoring another young virtuoso, a young German named Beethoven. (laughs) Haydn lives another 18 years after Mozart dies, and much of Beethoven's great work is composed in the 1800s, but there's something about the swirl of creativity and inspiration 
that exists in the 1780s that sets popular music on a trajectory that is the foundation of the music that we love. So, could it be the 1780s? Sounds like Haydn was the baller, huh? I mean, the Rick Rubin of the 1780s. He's the Rick, oh my God, <laughs> you just nailed it. He's the Rick Rubin of the 1780s. Yeah, he's got his fingers in the biggest, the biggest classical things. artists that then, and think about that, that's hundreds of years, right? Like, we're talking, like, that music is still celebrated now. Right? Wow. Let's take a sharp left turn. And hear from Will Evans. Will is the incredibly talented singer-songwriter. You and I are both big fans. Huge fan. We've both collaborated quite a bit with Will. He joined us for the episode on protest songs. Holding on to what we got is what we got is who we are. And who we are is everything. This is what Will has to say. The 90s is the greatest decade in music. If you look at the charts, there's just so much diversity and even subgenres represented. Uh, if you look at the rock genre alone, you've got the grunge scene with Nirvana, bands like Pearl Jam. Uh, you've got the hard rock scene with politically charged songs by groups like Rage Against the Machine. There's the indie rock scene with groups like Incubus who are incorporating DJs and sort of scratch into their songs and those songs are all in the top 40 uh, If you look at women in music in the 90s, there's a whole bunch of equal representation with artists like Alanis Morissette, Fiona Apple, Miss Lauren Hill Girls, you know you better watch out Some guys, some guys are only about So many uh, different artists that become some of the highest selling albums of all time. It's the 90s, baby. It's so good. Three weeks since you've been looking for your friend. The one you let hit it and never called you again. Remember when he told you he was about to bend your man's? You act like you and him. They give him a little trim to begin. All right. He later texted this, Clint. Notable that of the top 20 greatest selling albums of all time, half are from the 1990s. All different genres and mostly women. Shania, Alanis, Whitney. That is interesting. That is quite interesting, actually. Wow. But I want to get back to something you said earlier, Clint. It's not just when the music was released. It's when you became aware of the music. Yeah. So we tend to cling to the music that we fell in love with during our formative years. An economist, Seth Stevens Davidowitz, analyzed Spotify data on people's listening habits to try to establish if what they listen to tells us anything about when and at what age people's musical preferences set in. It seems that age 13 to 16 is when musical preferences get established. For example, the song that had the most plays on Spotify for men age 63. I can hear her heartbeat from a thousand miles. Crazy Love by Van Morris. Yeah, the heavens open. Every time she smiles. Which came out when they were 16. Ah, that is good data. But an interesting quirk in the study's data. The most streamed songs of a certain year don't always correlate to the track's popularity in the year it came out. For example, 
Mull of Kintyre by Paul McCartney was the biggest selling song of 1977. But it's nowhere to be found in that year's streaming data on Spotify. Wow. Conversely, Smash Mouth's All Star which only reached number 24 in the charts in 1999, is one of the top songs streamed today from that year. Somebody huh. I know why for that one. Shrek. Shrek. Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. Shrek. So that's amazing. The most streamed song from 1984? Last Christmas by Wham. It streamed 42 million times last year very proud of them <laughs> the most streamed song from 1977 we mentioned Mull of Kintyre was the biggest hit of that year but what's the most streamed song from that year disco song it surprised me Blue Sky by ELO. Whoa! Which streamed 31 million times last year. Last year? Oh, this is fascinating. So, age 13 to 16. Late 80s, early 90s. Late 80s, early 90s. So, for me, you know, we've talked about Octung Baby. August and everything after. Oh, yep. Start tearing the old man down. Run past the heather and down to the old road. Start turning the grain into the ground. And mine is for Appetite you, for Destruction. Welcome to the jungle. We got fun and games. We got everything you want. How do we know the names? We are the people that... Ten. And ten. And those came out during that time. Yep. He's right. Whoever did that study nailed it. Good job. Uh, what was his name? <laughs> Seth Stevens Davidowitz. Let's go back to the question hand, the best decade for music. Stephen Kellogg, a great singer-songwriter. Well, the girls in California, they all look the same to me. Way they take for granted living by the sea, and they could be your best friends if you don't expect too much. Cause the girls in California, well, they all believe in love. Joined us for Do You Have to Suffer for Your Art? Here's what Stephen had to say. Yeah. This is Stephen Kellogg, and my favorite decade for music is the 70s. I love the vibe of rock and roll at that time and the songwriter rock thing that was going on because it just, it's the closest to what I naturally have inside of myself. And that's, uh, you know, I think why I relate to it the most. Blue jean baby, 
seamstress for the band. So he loves the era of the singer-songwriter, which was the 70s. Jackson Brown, James Taylor, Elton John, Springsteen, Cat Stevens. He's our age. He's our age. Yeah. So he grew up with that late 70s. His parents were listening to that music. Yeah, I'd be interested to ask him where he discovered that music. Yeah. Here's another study. On this show, we've turned to Rolling Stone Magazine's list of top 500 greatest artists of all time as a touchstone. This was the list compiled in 2004 and then updated again in 2010. Nearly 40% of Rolling Stone's 500 greatest songs of all time come from a single decade. 40%. 40% from one of the... Wow. Uh, 60s. The 1960s. Is it? Wow. The breakdown goes like this. 196 of the 500 songs, that's 39.2%, was the 1960s. Number two was the 70s. Number three on the list, the 1950s. Huh. Okay, so let me say one thing. Yes. Because they're older, because they're coming, they've had the opportunity to be in many more movies. They've had the opportunity to be on commercials that enter the zeitgeist of younger generations. They go through the cultural zeitgeist Again and again, again and again, based on media, based on a movie. This, like, this song was popular in this movie right. that came out in '85, even though it's a song from the '60s. I'll give but, you an example. Yeah, you've lost that love and feeling. Yeah, Top came Gun. out in the '50s. Yeah, and then Top Gun. All of a sudden, everyone our age, right, was like, "Excuse me, miss." Hey, 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 don't worry, I'll take care of this. You never close your eyes anymore when I kiss your lips. There's no tenderness like before in your fingertips. You're trying hard not to show it, baby. But baby, believe me, I know it. You've lost that love and feeling. And then the song charts again. Right. Yeah, right. So, and then you do that three, four, five, six times. Then the greatest songs of all time have to be have from, to be the I mean they're the ones you hear the most right I mean yes. this is so hard yeah. to say that you would forsake all other decades and just listen to one decade what's it going to be so let's recap are you going with Emily who chose jazz innovation of the forties are you going with the King the nineteen fifties the era of Elvis and Sinatra. You ain't- Are you going with Josh and Brian, the 60s, the Beatles, Beach Boys, Dylan, Otis Redding, Aretha? Are you going with Stephen Kellogg, Todd Chuba, and Jack Gauthier picking the 70s from the Eagles and Floyd to the great run of Stevie Wonder albums? Going with the 1980s. Michael Jackson, Madonna, Prince, Phil Collins. Are you going with Will Evans and the 1990s? Celine, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Mariah. 
Are you prepared to choose the best decade? I have been transformed during this conversation. I came in thinking one thing. You were thinking the 60s. I was thinking the 60s. I transitioned to the 70s. When we started naming those bands, I was like, that's my, those are my people. And now I'm back to the 60s. Interesting. I'm going to say the 60s. It was the biggest influence to rock music, which is what I love. Okay, here's another thing. The data speaks, right? Because it's such a subjective subject, right? But the data speaks. And the fact that 40% of the greatest songs came from the same decade, I think that speaks. That speaks to me. I'm a numbers guy. I go 60s. Done. Go. What do you say? I also am surprising myself with this. I, like you, would have come in saying this is the 1960s. Listening to all this and thinking about the bands and artists that belong to each of these decades, I'm going to say the 1980s. Wow. Do I love the music of the 60s? Yes, of course. Right. But there are albums that came out in the 1980s that had a huge influence on me. Oh, yeah. One of them being Graceland. Yeah. People say she's crazy. She got diamonds on the soles of her shoes. Well, that's one way to lose these walking blues. Diamonds on souls and shoes. And that doesn't even sound like the 80s. And didn't Full Moon Fever come out in the 80s? Yeah. 89, I think. I mean, you two. That's again, it's you. Like, that is you. Yes. Right. Prince. Yes. The Police. Yes. It's impossible. It's impossible. impossible. I'm going with the 1980s. He's going with the 80s. I'm going 60s. This is glorious. Wow. So wait. Did we do it? I think think we did. I don't know if we did, but I think we did. I think we did. We hope that you had fun, as much fun as we did. Oh, yes. And we hope you'll join us next time when we answer another age-old question. Follow us on Instagram at The Age Old Question. Facebook, The Age Old Question. We hope this conversation has sparked some ideas and thoughts of your own. Let us know in the comments. But let's be kind, people. Yeah. No hating. No hating. of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. I never thought I'd care about gardening until I bought a house in the suburbs. But now I find myself in conversations about liquid fertilizer, and I wonder, am I the fertilizer guy now? (laughs) No, no way. Everyone knows the ratio between phosphorus and nitrogen, right? Yeah, I'm still totally cool. Anyway, when you save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto, that's the easy part of adjusting to the suburbs. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 